God this morning. I thank God this morning. And I drove up on the lot today and saw the blue skies and the nice, pretty weather. And I got out of my car and you know what came through my mind? Jesus is alive. That simple. And I just rejoiced as I walked into the building today knowing I don't have to wait until Easter Sunday. I'm glad Easter Sunday's on the way. But Jesus is already risen. Jesus is alive and Jesus is well. He's seated with the Father. And I hope is in Jesus. Amen. My hope is in him. Your hope is in him. And through him, we're going to make it. We're going to make it in this life and we have a better life to come. I better let you sit down or I'm going to preach right now. <laughs> Isn't God good this morning? Aren't you glad to be in God's house today? I thank the Lord for his many blessings this morning. I thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit who is with us today. Let me just remind, or maybe for the first time you may be hearing this, we're doing a benevolence drive to help the uh, Pregnancy Resource Center thrive, and there's also information about uh, being part of their walk for life. One of our very own Sarah um, Shiflet is, uh, <laughs> is uh, part of that now. And if you have uh, any questions on what you can do as far as diapers and et cetera, or as part of being the walk, see Pastor Carol Lawson, um, or you can see Pastor Jacob, either one, and they can help with that. And we are a giving church, amen? So it's a worthy ministry that we can be involved in and, and help with. Next Sunday morning is going to be revival, or next Sunday is going to be revival Sunday. And uh, Brother Cliff West is coming to preach revival for us. And, um, you know, COVID changes everything. So we're going to be a little creative with this. And let me try to explain how it will work. He will be preaching at 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and 6 o'clock. So if you want to for next week, if you would like to attend all three services, you are welcome to do so. And I will tell the, the, uh, the uh, congregation at 11 o'clock if they want to come at 9 o'clock and 11 and come back at 6. You can get a mini revival in one day. How about that? 9, 11, and 6. Only thing I'm not doing is I'm not feeding anybody. So <laughs> I already have my reservations where I'm going to eat, but I, I'm not feeding everybody. So. Uh, but in all seriousness, come and be part of this revival. We'll get uh, three services worth. If you're not able to come to all three, they will be online. So you can watch them in real time online, or you can watch them on the replay. So um, let's have revival next weekend. Amen. I'm looking forward to it and ask Cliff if he would preach three different sermons. Uh, so he'll be doing three different sermons and just come. And the music will be a little different in each of those three services, uh, showcasing different uh, parts of the music ministry throughout the day as well. So I'm excited about that. Be in prayer for the revival. Invite someone to come with you. It's a good reason to invite someone to God's house next weekend. We're going to continue today preaching the uh, seven I am statements of Jesus. And I hope that maybe during this time you'll take time and read the entirety of the Gospel of John. Um, it's really, I thought about reading the Gospel of John as really a good segue, a good leading up to Easter Sunday. So I hope that maybe you can take some time and, and read the Gospel of John and, and it will complement very well going into Easter Sunday. But throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus declares seven different times, I am, and then fill in the blank. Last week, he is, I am the bread of life. Today, I am the light 
of the world. In this dark world in which we live, aren't you glad that Jesus is still the light of the world? Aren't you glad that you and I do not have to walk in darkness or confusion or sin or shame, but Jesus is the light of the world? When I put the slide together, I told you last week, I am and I am, the little A and the big A. The great I am, but then who I am. And I'm hoping as we go through this series that we'll think about how who we are needs to intersect with who he is and how he can make the difference in who we are. And he can make us to be more like him, this great I am. When I think of the I am with the little a, who I am, that is what I would call a defining statement who I am. It is a present tense statement. For example, I am here. I am walking. I am talking. Those are activities that I am currently doing. My current state, my present tense. But it also speaks to, more importantly, when I think I am, it speaks more importantly to my current condition. You know, we can see each other from the outside of who we are, what I'm saying, what I'm doing, but God sees the I am of us, the current condition from the inside of who we really are. God sees our mindset. Do you know God knows all of our thoughts? Somebody just said, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. God knows our heart set, not just, not just our mindset, but God knows our heart set. What is our heart really focused on? What are our true desires, our true loves in life? God knows. God knows our heart set. He knows our mindset. God knows our attitudes and our ambitions. He knows, simply put, God knows our spiritual condition. He really knows our spiritual condition better than you and I even know ourselves. So I ask us this morning, how does our spiritual condition, our our I am spiritually today, how does that align with Christ? Where are we this morning? Where are you? Where am I in our alignment with Christ? Maybe I could say that in even a different way, in a simpler way. How is my relationship currently, presently, with the great I am? How is my relationship? How is it with God? How is it with Christ? Now, I would love for us to testify for a few moments when I asked that question. I thought about that myself, and I thought, you know, there are some I am statements that I can make because of him, not because of me, but because I have accepted Jesus Christ into my life. I can say, I am a believer. I am a believer. I declare to you this morning, I still believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. I am a believer. I still believe that Jesus came and lived on this earth, died on the cross, and rose again on the third day. I am a believer. That's where it starts. Do you believe this morning? Do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Do you believe that Jesus is the savior of the world and the resurrection and the life? I am a believer. And then that belief needs to translate into action on my part. And that action is accepting Jesus Christ into my heart and into my life. 
repenting of my sins and accepting his gift of salvation. And then I can declare to you another I am statement. I am saved. Anybody in the house saved this morning? I am saved. The theological terms there are rebirth. I have been born again. The theological term there, regeneration. He has changed my nature. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. I am saved. Hallelujah. And because of that, because of him, then my standing is right with God. What's that mean? Here's another theological term for you this morning. I am am justified, not because I've always done right, but because of his great mercy and forgiveness and because of his work on my behalf to God the Father, I stand before you declared justified. I am justified. Oh, I'm just in the middle of the introduction and I'm feeling pretty good about things already. Hallelujah, I'm glad to be justified. I'm glad to be in right standing with God this morning. Hallelujah. And because of all of this, I am hopeful. I am living my life hopeful. The circumstances of this world are not pulling me down. The circumstances of life are not causing me to be depressed. I am hopeful. I serve a living Savior, and he's a coming king. My heart and my life is right with him, and I'm living in his hope this morning. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. I'm hopeful. I'm telling you some I am statements this morning that are in my life, and I hope they're in yours too this morning. And I am on my way to heaven. Anybody on their way to heaven? This world is not my home. It's not my final destination. I'm not gonna pay my mortgage off and then just stay there forever. I have an eternal address and I'm on my way to heaven. And greater than all of that, when I get to heaven, can I throw out one more theological term this morning? I will be then glorified. He will change my very being to be more like him and I one day will be glorified. Boy, that's a nice theological journey this morning, isn't it? That's a nice reminder to all of us who know Jesus Christ. And hey, it's a good invitation. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you can come on this journey with us, amen? Now let me throw out one final theological term that I want to hone in on a little bit this morning. I am pursuing sanctification. Now, here's the one we don't always shout a whole lot about. <laughs> sanctification, I am pursuing sanctification. What is sanctification? Sanctification is a lifestyle that is pleasing to God. You say, Pastor, how am I sanctified? Am I sanctified instantly by his power working some experience in, the, in an altar service or, or in my prayer life? Or am I sanctified as a process day by day? Here's the answer to that question. Yes and yes. Yes and yes. 
There are times when the Holy Spirit can come up on us, work within us, and give us a touch that is beyond ourselves that gives us an ability to live better than we were before. Hallelujah, a sanctifying touch. If there is something in your life this morning that you know is not pleasing to God, seek God for that, what I would call a sanctifying touch. God, do a work in me. Give me strength from the Holy Spirit to get beyond this habit or beyond this sin and sanctify me. Is that good preaching on a nine o'clock service? Sanctify me. I believe in an instant work of sanctification that can give us strength to live beyond the sin that was holding us back. But I also believe that we're to walk each day pursuing a sanctified, pleasing life before the Lord. A lifestyle pleasing to God. As Christians, God has not called us, nor does he give us permission to just live any other way or any old way or any way we want to. Is that all right today? And too often, if we aren't careful in the church, too often, if we aren't careful as Christians, we'll define and decide our lifestyle and our actions by seeing just how close we can get to the sin, just how close we can get to the world. Is that all right today? But a sanctified, pleasing lifestyle tells us, hey, why don't we just abstain from all appearance of evil? what Paul said. That's what the word said. Amen. An alignment in our lives. Oh, now this is good stuff this morning. I, I know we don't like to, you don't like the preacher to meddle in how we live, right? <laughs> but it's good stuff because sanctification brings blessing in our lives. It brings increased presence of God in our lives. It, it makes us vessels that are more willing to be used of God and, and the Holy Spirit flows more freely through us when we live sanctified in alignment with his will for our lives and in alignment with his word. Everybody in this house, God has a plan for our lives. God has his perfect will for our lives and that's part of the sanctification process. It's saying, God, what is your will for my life? What should I be doing? What should I be pursuing? What should my goals be? Why am I here? I want to be in alignment with his will for my life. And then I want to be in alignment with his word. It's a beautiful thing when we start trying to live in accordance to his word. There's a lot of concepts. There are a lot of things in this word. There are promises in his word. And when I'm living in alignment with his word, I'm believing the promises of God and they help guide my life. They help guide my mind. There are principles in the word. There are principles in God's word for relationships. There are principles in God's word for finances. There are principles in God's word for how to work on the job place. There are principles in God's word for any and everything that we need to live by. And are we living in alignment with those principles? And the beautiful thing about living and trying to follow God's principles in our lives, they always bring about God's blessings. Isn't that cool? Isn't that awesome? And anytime in God's word that it might tell us a no, don't do this, don't live this way, don't have that in your life, 
It is preventing us from the harmful effects of sin. And really, in a nutshell, sanctification in our lives prevents us from harmful effects that would otherwise come from bad decisions or sinful decisions. Sanctification is a beautiful concept and it's a very biblical one. No wonder the psalmist wrote this. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I'm talking now about the great light, if I could say it that way, the great light. I need God's light to shine brightly on my life. Anybody recognize this morning and would you say, I need his light to shine brightly on my life? So today's concept is really light. Today's I am statement is light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. There are three things biblically that I, that I saw this week about light. I put them on the screen here and, and they become very personal in our lives. Light fills the void. Light fills the void. Light replaces the darkness. Really what darkness is, is the absence of light. And then thirdly, light creates structure. And that one might be a little more intricate to understand this morning, but look with me if you would from a biblical basis for what I have on the screen. At Genesis 1, 1 through 5, the first reference, of course, to light is found in this passage of Scripture. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. There's that word. And darkness. There's that other word that I used in those three points. Darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So you have darkness, void, nothing there. The Spirit of God comes across the, the chasm and he says in verse three, then God said, let there be Light. What a powerful statement by our creative God. And when he said there, let there be light, there was light. Look at verse four. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. If they want to put those points back on the screen, we see the voidness, we see the darkness, we see the chaos, but the light of God, the creative light, when he said, let there be light, it filled the void, it replaced the darkness, and it took the chaos and created a structure. That's what happened in creation. But thanks be unto God in the New Testament when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and when we accept his light into our lives, that's what happens within us. God's light filled the void in my life. Every one of us, one writer said that I was reading in the last couple of weeks that every one of us have a God-sized chasm, a God-sized empty space in our lives that can only be filled by God. Do you know that to be true? Have you ever worked for something and, and you thought, this will bring me my satisfaction only to find it might have been good, but it's not good enough? 
Have you ever been given something you think, this will make me happy forever? It may have made us happy, but it does not make us happy forever. Every one of us were created with a missing piece, and that piece comes from the light of God. Just as God filled the void in all of creation by saying, let there be light, he wants to fill the void in your life and in my life. He wants to give us purpose and meaning and fulfillment. That void can be filled. God's light can shine in our lives. The light replaced the darkness. In creation, the light replaced the darkness. Personally speaking, I am just a sinner saved by God's grace. Personally speaking, my life was filled with darkness, sin, and shame. Anybody else can relate to that? Darkness and sin and shame. But when the light of God's love through Jesus Christ shines in our heart, it replaces the darkness of sin and shame. Can you imagine living in this life burdened down with your sin? Burdened down with your shame? Burdened down with your guilt? I thank God that we do not have to live that way. I thank God that his light can replace the darkness. And then thirdly speaking, we put in creation, the light created structure out of the chaos. When his light began to shine on my path, it created structure in my life. I began to live after Christ. My life began to make sense again. My life began to have a godly structure a pattern to live by, and I am living now in the light. I am living in the light. What about you this morning? Are you living in the light? You know, I talked about pulling up on the parking lot this morning and seeing the blue skies and the, just the beauty that was around us. I guess because we've had so much snow lately and it's felt like kind of dreary coming over on Sunday mornings for the last little bit. Today was just, whoa, hallelujah, you know, it's just nice. <laughs> but I am living in the light of his creation. Isn't that neat? When I drive over here throughout the week and I look out over the beautiful fields and I see the beautiful mountains, don't we live in a gorgeous area? When I drive out to the coast and I see the waves of the seashore coming on to the land and moving, when I see a big lake or, or the beauty of the animal kingdom or whatever, we are living in the beautiful light of the creation of God. Sometimes we forget that, don't we? If you're like me, sometimes I'm so busy, I forget to look around me, but sometimes it would be very therapeutic for me and for you if we just kind of slow down and look at this beautiful creation around us that God has made. And oh, how beautiful that is. But can I tell you, even more beautiful than that is not just living in the light of this creation, but living in the light of the creation that can happen on the inside of us through a born-again experience with Jesus Christ. Living in the light of salvation. I wanna share a salvation story with you. John chapter eight, this is where we find the I am statement this week that we're, we're looking at. And it's a beautiful story of salvation, the light of salvation. John chapter eight starts at verse one. We're gonna look at verses one through 12. But Jesus went to the Mount 
of olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and they sat down and he taught them. So here Jesus is in the temple, he's, he's teaching. And look at verse three, then the scribes and the Pharisees, the old religious crowd that didn't like Jesus, didn't like anybody but themselves, really. They brought to him a woman caught in adultery and they set him, or they set her in the midst of him. Notice their hypocrisy already. Bunch of tattletales, one. You know, I have no business trying to drag you out of your sin and, and try to make an example out of you and you don't have any business trying to make an example out of me, right? We all need God's grace and his mercy. He's called us to love each other and try to help each other make things right. They're dragging this lady, parading her out. But notice their hypocrisy. Where's the man? I'm pretty certain to, to be caught in the act of adultery, there has to be a man involved too, right? Where's the man? They didn't bring the man. They brought the woman. They were trying to, they were trying to set up Jesus, cause a big problem for him, and embarrass her. That's not what Christianity's all about at all, is it? So here they bring her, look at verse four, and they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? They're trying to set him up. They, they were always trying to set Jesus up, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, all the religious crowd, because Jesus was upsetting their apple cart. Jesus was messing up their little political domain and they didn't like it. And so they thought, all right, if we bring this lady to him, if he says, no, don't stone her, then we're gonna say, you don't believe Christ. You don't believe the teachings of Moses. And then religiously, we've got you. But then if you do say, yes, go ahead and stone her, Jesus, if Jesus had said that, then they would say to the Roman government, we've got this man going around telling us to kill people. And then he would have been in hot water with the Roman government. So how is Jesus gonna respond to this? He's gonna respond like he always responds, with all grace and mercy. Aren't you glad he always responds to us with grace and mercy when we come to him? Look at verse six. This they said, testing him, that they may have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear them. One writer said that that was kind of symbolic of, of the fact that when Moses went up and got the law and the commandments from God, what did God do? He wrote them with his finger. And here we have the great I am in the flesh. It's almost like he's just suddenly saying to them, listen, I'm the great lawgiver. I decide these things, not you. They were too dumb to pick up on it. <laughs> they were too self-righteous to pick up on it. All they were worried about was, was trying to trap him and, and embarrass this poor woman. But Jesus went down with his finger and just began to write in the sand. The, the great lawgiver, verse seven. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and he said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. Well, I guess that got their attention, huh? He who is without the sin, let him cast the first stone. Verse eight, and again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, 
being convicted by their conscience. They went out one by one, beginning with the oldest and even to the last. I just got a little humor out of that because the older people were a little bit wiser and they said, I better get out of here. It might have been the older people were a little bit older and they had more sins to worry about too. <laughs> the older and then the younger and they all got out of there. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And you think, what will he do with this woman? What will he do with this woman who has just been caught in the act of adultery? And you, my friend, and me, sometimes in our lives, maybe we have thought the same thing. What will he do with me? I know I have blown it. Can I preach this morning? I know I have blown it. I know I have sinned. I know I have failed him. I know I have disappointed him and a lot of other people. And I find myself in the presence of Jesus. And I say, what will he do with me? Will he accept me? Or will he cast me aside? And some of the most beautiful words in scripture are spoken at verse 11. I'm spitting all over the place up here this morning. <laughs> in verse 11, some of the most beautiful words in scripture are spoken. I want to go back to verse 10 first. He said, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no, Lord, and here's the beautiful words, neither do I condemn thee. Praise God. Go and sin no more. I am glad that Jesus Christ has spoken those words to my life. Neither do I condemn thee. John 3, you know, 16, but 17 said God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. What a beautiful thing Jesus said. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He said, I'm forgiving you and I want to change you. And now you go and you live like you're supposed to live. Aren't you glad for the conversion experience? Aren't you glad that we can be forgiven and then he can help us get our lives in order? Now he didn't say, I'm not gonna condemn you and you just go on back and do what you've been doing. That's not what he said, was it? He said, I'm not gonna condemn you. I'm gonna help you, girl. And you can go back and you can live better and you can be better and you can be one of my children. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That's what he's done for you and I. He has forgiven us and then through his grace and mercy and sanctification, we can live better. We can try to live godly and righteously. What a beautiful thought. Verse 12, then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I thought about how do we walk in the light as he is in the light? How do we have that fellowship with him? We're reading in the Gospel of John, but John also wrote three little epistles. First, second, and third John. You find them over near the end of the New Testament. 
And I wanted to close with this scripture this morning from 1 John, 1 John chapter one, five through 10. And it really talks to us about how after the light has shone in our hearts and our lives and we become Christians, the condemnation is gone and then he comes to help us walk in the light. I am walking in the light. Day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, I am walking in the light and what a life it is. What a walk it is. What a precious thing it is to have the light of God shining upon my path. A light that leads me and guides me, gives me direction to make decisions. A light that shows me how to live morally, ethically. A light that also shows me when I sin and when I fail. And it helps me to get that right and to continue my work towards him and that progress towards more sanctification. Let's read about it. 1 John 1, 5 through 10. This is the message which we have heard from Jesus, heard from him, and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, but yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. What did he tell the woman? He said, go and what? Go and sin no more. But if we walk in the light, oh, I like this. As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. I am in fellowship with the great I am. I am walking in the light as he is in the light. And the blood, look at the last part of verse seven. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Verse eight, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But here's the good news. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that beautiful? If you have sin in your life today, do what verse nine says. Confess it to him. And then you'll experience what he promises he will do. He'll be faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Verse 10 says this, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I want to walk in the light of his salvation. I want to walk in the light of his sanctification. How about you this morning? Here's, here's our response. And I want you to pray this to, to the Lord here in just a few moments. Jesus, light of the world, let your light shine on me. Would that be all right for us to pray that together before we leave this morning? Jesus, light of the world, let your light shine 
on me. Let me say it one more time. Jesus, the light of the world, let your light shine on me. Light my way to salvation. Light my way to sanctification. Be the light of my life. Is that all right this morning? Would you stand with me all over this house? I'm walking in the light. I'm living in the light. I'm hoping in the light. That light is helping me live. Jesus is the light of my life. Would you just bow your head right where we are? And would you just pray this with me? The response that I just said there, Jesus, light of the world, let your light shine on me. Let's begin to pray today. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that's the first step. Ask him to come into your heart, into your life, begin a relationship with him, ask him to forgive your sin. Those of us who are believers, if there are things in our lives, habits or sins or failures that should not be there, why not confess them to him this morning and let his light shine upon them. Let him be faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you afresh and anew and to say, I'm gonna walk in the light as he is in the light. We're gonna have fellowship one with another. Pray, church, this morning. All over this building, pray as individuals. Talk to God today before we leave this house. Make sure everything is all right. Make sure the light is shining in your life. Make sure that sin has been confessed. Make sure your relationship with God is where it needs to be. Don't leave this house this morning. Don't leave this house this morning with less than what God has for you. Don't leave this house this morning without your sins forgiven and without a fresh relationship with Jesus Christ. His salvation his sanctification. Lord, bless your people this morning. Cause your light to shine upon us. God, let us walk in the light as you are in the light. Cause us to have fellowship with you. That sweet fellowship, God, that we cannot even really put to words, that we cannot really describe, but that fellowship that we know and we understand from that relationship with you from the times that you bless us and you commune with us and yes, even forgive us. Let us walk in the light as you are in the light. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you this morning. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise for Jesus, the light of the world. Thank you, God. Bless your people this morning. Bless your people this morning. In Jesus' name. They're going to sing this morning. Continue praying. Continue worshiping the Lord. This altar is open today. If if you need to come and pray, if you need special prayer, if you want to come accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the altar is open today as they sing.